It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are getting ready for the NFL Draft. So happy that we have that to look forward to with everything that's been going on. And I'm really glad that in order to help break it down today, I've got the senior analyst from the Draft Network and a former Division I quarterback. So you know he's got a pretty good vantage point on the receivers specifically. He knows what it takes to throw to one of these guys, so we'll talk about that. Also a coach, so he's well-versed all the way around, Mr. Jordan Reed. Jordan, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure being here. So let's start off with the big four tackles because everybody knows that the Jets are looking to bolster that offensive line. They made some moves in the offseason in free agency, but the two tackle spots are still very unsure. The guard spots are maybe a little bit improved, but they could still use some youth and depth. And quite frankly, they could use long-term answers at those positions. Tackle seems to be where their focus is. There are four tackles that everybody seems to think have a chance to be drafted in the top 11. Makai Becton of Louisville, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Jedrick Wills of Alabama, and of course, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa. So what do you think of those four prospects? Do you think that they're all worthy of a top 11 selection in the draft? Yeah, I think all I think all four of them are top worthy of the 11th overall pick if it comes to that point. But um, we'll see who is left for the for the Jets just because you have a couple teams in front that need some offensive tackle help. The Cleveland Browns, of course. Uh, we'll see what some of the quarterback needy teams do at the top, whether that's Miami or you know the Chargers or even the Panthers. Do they elect to take a quarterback or do they just dip their toes in to get one of these offensive tackles? So we'll see what does happen with that, but. Just going over a few of these guys, Makai Becton, everybody knows he's a massive human being, 6'7", 365 pounds. And the first thing that stands out about him is just his physicality, his ability to finish. And then he has some versatility playing right tackle and left left tackle before he, he developed comfortably at that left tackle spot last year. So he has the versatility if you're looking to play him on either side. And I know the Jets really have – they need help at both tackles. So we'll see if they do end up taking Makai at 11, which side he does end up playing on. But the most likely will be the left just because that's what he has played for the most part at Louisville. Uh, transitioning to Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Just coming into the year, the the person that everybody liked to talk about was on the opposite side of him. His name was Alex Leatherwood, who was the left tackle for Alabama, but everybody started to focus on the right side just because that's where the better player was for the betterment of the year. I thought the Auburn game was really the best one of his career. That really was the signature moment of his final season in Tuscaloosa, but a guy that's extremely physical, as a run blocker, but he's equally as fluid and poised as a pass protector. That's something that you noticed about him. And, you know, the Giants at four, maybe that's somewhere they do opt to go. But if, if he doesn't go, whether that's to the Giants at four or the Browns at 10, 
I think he probably would be the best possible solution out of any of these guys for the Jets just because I think he fits what they want to do perfectly. Uh, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, a guy who shows supreme athleticism. We saw what he was able to do at the Combine. And you see it littered throughout his game as well. Now, he, he's a bit different from some of these other guys just because he's a better fit in his own type of scheme just because he likes to move around and operate in space as opposed to some of these other guys where they like to just get a body on the body and maul people. That's really not his style of play. So Tristan works his athleticism, and I think he probably has the most upside of any offensive tackle in this group just because of the athleticism that he does show. And then Andrew Thomas, that seems to kind of be the forgotten guy in this group. And a common comparison, I love making analogies when I talk about these guys. Andrew Thomas is kind of like the pretty girl that's at school that's been there for a while. And then these other three are just the new, the new girl that's moved into town. And they're like the new girls on the block. And everybody is flocking to them. But Andrew Thomas is still sitting over there. He's been consistent. But his game is kind of boring. So you really kind of gloss over what his strengths are, even though he is really solid. So I'm a big fan of Andrew Thomas. And I think that would be another one that's a really good pick for the Jets at 11. What about beyond the top four? Who else do you like at offensive tackle? We've heard names like Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, Austin Jackson. Who are some of the second-tier and even third-tier options you like there? I think starting off the second-tier, Josh Jones will probably be the leader in that group. A guy that's been a three-year starter, a Houston former basketball player, so he has the athleticism that you're looking for. He's already ready-made as a pass protector entering the NFL, but he has some work to do as a run blocker. I think that's his biggest deficiency entering the league, but the thing about that is coaches always feel as if they can revolve their game around the pass protection standpoint and they can teach them run blocking as opposed to vice versa. So he already has the characteristics and the baseline traits that you're looking for for him entering the league. So I think Josh Jones would be the guy that leads the second tier. And then it would be Austin Jackson from USC. A guy that's one of the younger offensive linemen in this group. He'll be a 20-year-old rookie entering the, entering the NFL. Very athletic. That's something that stands out about him. But his strength, that's something that he really lacks right now. And it'll come over time, but he is going to struggle a little bit when he does first get into the NFL just because his core strength really isn't there right now. And then, you know, last year he really wasn't able to – actually he missed all the spring ball, and then he had a bone marrow situation where he essentially saved his sister. So he wasn't able to participate in any weight training or anything like that. So you saw some of the strength issues that he did have during the year. But getting in the NFL system, being able to eat in the strength and conditioning program, getting in that cafeteria – and being able to build up that strength, I think that's something that's going to help him a lot. And then some other guys that it, that does round out that second tier, Prince Tegawanogo from Auburn, a guy who shows supreme supreme athleticism on film. He's already similar to Josh Jones in that he's a ready-made pass protector, but has some work to do as a run blocker. But I think teams feel as if they can teach that part of the game to him. So I think he, he's probably not worthy of the 11th pick. I think that's way too rich for him. But if the Jets are looking for somebody to target, in the second or third round, I definitely think he could be worthy of that. And then the last guy is Lucas Niang from TCU. You have to watch the 2018 film as opposed to the 2019 film of him just because he, he was dealing with a nasty hip injury last year that he ended up having to have surgery on. He wasn't able to participate in the senior bowl or the combine either just because of the hip injury recovering from surgery from that. So go watch him in 2018. I think that's much better film with him. Jordan, there are some people that have suggested that because of the way that the Jets plan to run their offense, it's going to be very pass-heavy, and they've constructed their line to be a very pass-heavy blocking line. They really don't seem to care much about the run blocking, which is a bummer for Le'Veon Bell, but they're gearing it towards protecting Sam Darnold. Some have said that Josh Jones would actually be a really good fit for this offense and this offensive line, 
and that perhaps he might even be a better choice for them than Andrew Thomas. Now, I'm not suggesting necessarily that he should go ahead of Thomas, but do you think there could be some merit to that, that Josh Jones would fit what they're looking to do better than somebody like Andrew Thomas? Yeah, it's just the thing with that. I think 11 would be a little too rich for Josh Jones if they do want to slide back and get some extra picks or even more than the draft capital that they essentially have right now. I think it could be a worthy pick, whether that's from you know the 18 to 24 range. I think that could be the sweet spot for Josh Jones. But as far as the fit, I love his fit just because you want to have somebody that can protect the blind side of Sam Darnold, him already being a natural left tackle. Left tackle, you can go ahead and peg him at that spot right away. So I like Josh Jones' fit in New York. Let's talk wide receiver, Jordan, because if all of those tackles that we talked about are off the board by number 11, which could happen, then the Jets are in a situation where they could be faced with a choice between three guys that many believe are going to be excellent wide receivers. Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, both from Alabama, and CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. What do you think about these three guys, and how would you feel about the Jets picking any of them at number 11? I think they could use all of them just because Sam Donald essentially doesn't have many weapons right now, especially with Robbie Anderson leaving out the door, uh, going to Carolina with the Panthers. His plethora of weapons just is not there right now, and I just think they need to stockpile talent on the perimeter for him. And they really haven't had a number one go-to wide receiver for him during his career so far, and the clock is ticking for them to figure out exactly who Sam Donald is before his rookie contract does run out. So they just have to figure out a situation where they just continue to stockpile talent and whether that's CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs, I think all of them would be worthy at that 11th overall pick if that's the route that they choose to go. Now, the one that I think would be the best fit for them probably would be Judy, just because of what Adam Gates wants to do and incorporate in his offense. I think with him being a natural separator, I think he can man the slot or on the outside. What about some of the other wide receivers? Because a lot of people feel that Joe Douglas is not going to go wide receiver 11. It's possible. We've heard some reports that the team really likes CeeDee Lamb. Others have suggested that they've done a lot of work on Henry Ruggs. And I do expect to hear some stuff about them really liking Jerry Judy because, as you know, Jordan, when the draft comes around, people spread rumors around on purpose to try and misdirect. But if they don't land one of those guys at number 11, who are some guys they could target in the second, third, and fourth round? Because we know that this is supposed to be a really, really rich wide receiver draft. It just depends on the type of receiver that they want. If they want those bigger body guys uh, that do struggle a little bit, but I think their upside is there. Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan is one guy that I definitely think they could end up liking, even though the production didn't match the hype when he was coming into Michigan, a former five-star recruit. But he did show some flashes and spurts, and I think he's going to be a much better pro than college player. Michael Pittman Jr. from USC is another guy that I think fits really well in what they want to do, a guy that's going to come in and be a core special teamers right away, but also he can be an option in the slot or on the outside. And I, th- I thought he got much better during his final year uh, at USC just because he did battle some injuries there. But I think as far as a fit in his offense, I think he would be a really good fit. And then Brian Edwards from South Carolina, a guy we didn't get to really see for the most part during the pre-draft process just because he was dealing with a foot injury that he ended up having to get surgery on. So we weren't able to see him at the senior bowl or the combine. But if you want a big body guy that's just a natural separator to play above the rim and go get the ball, like Sam Donald likes to take a lot of chances with those 50-50 balls, I think Brian Edwards definitely could be a fit. Let's go back to the offensive line and talk about the interior. We talked about the tackles, but I want to talk some guards and centers, and I think there are a lot of centers that could also play guard. So there are a lot of options here for the Jets. 
One guy that I really like is Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I think he could be an excellent player for a decade at center or guard. Talk to me about some of your favorites on the interior line that the Jets could consider in rounds two, three, and four. Yeah, I definitely think Cesar Ruiz definitely could be an option. I actually had a good conversation with him yesterday and just talking to him, just getting to know him a little bit. I mean, I'm a big fan of Cesar Ruiz. I love what he brings to the table. A guy that's the youngest. He's going to be the youngest interior offensive lineman in this group. He's going to be 20 years. He's only 20 years old right now. So he'll be he'll turn 21 in, Ju- in June, I think it is. So he'll be a very young rookie. And that's something that you love to see, especially from offensive linemen, just because they're the position that's really known to have a lot of longevity in their career. So getting 10-plus years from Cesar, Cesar Ruiz as your center or guard, I think would be terrific. Big fan of him. A uh, guy that I've nicknamed the Sandbox Bully just because whenever you enter his zone, whenever you enter his sandbox, in between the A-gaps, he completely demoralizes you. And that's something that I think the Jets need in this offense just because they haven't had an identity for a very long time since the glory days of Big Mangold. And not saying that Ruiz is going to be Mangold or anything like that, but he definitely could be reminiscent of the type of identity that he brought to the Jets' offensive line for so long. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU is another guy that I think could be a very good fit. Now, he's a center only as opposed to Ruiz, who has center guard versatility. I think Cushenberry is a center only, more of a zone scheme guy. He's not a people mover or anything like that, but if you're looking for an athletic guy that can get out in space and then cover guys up with angles, Cushenberry could be that guy. And then some later on down the line guys, I think Damian Lewis from LSU, who was Cushenberry's counterpart, I think definitely could be a fit as well. And then Robert Hunt from Louisiana Lafayette could be a fit as well. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's shift a little bit to the defensive side of the ball. I know a lot of Jets fans only want the team to draft offense, but I don't think that's how Joe Douglas is thinking because I think Joe Douglas realizes that there are premium spots on this defense that need to be addressed. I don't expect them to go edge at number 11, although some have suggested Caleb on chase on could be an option if the four tackles are off the board and the Jets can't move out of the spot. So let's talk a little bit about him. We all know how good Chase Young is, but there's no real reason for us to talk about Chase Young because there's zero chance the Jets are going to be able to get him. Tell me about Caleb on Chase on and some of the other edge rushers that the Jets might want to consider even past the number 11 pick, maybe in rounds two, three, or four. Yeah, the first thing you notice about Chase on is just his explosiveness. He actually tore his, AC, he tore his ACL in 2018. And then he came back in 2019 and looked even more explosive. So that's something that you love to see from him, even though the production hasn't matched up to the explosiveness. I think his best days could be ahead of him. I think his hand usage is already well advanced for where he is in this stage in his career. And I think his best ball is ahead of him. But just some later on down the line guys that I think could pique the Jets' interest. Julian Aquar from Notre Dame is one guy that I think definitely could pique their interest as far as exactly what he brings to the forefront. Uh, he's already a ready-made pass protector, but he has some work to do as a run defender, and I think he could be a stand-up guy off the edge. Josh Uche from Michigan, probably one of the better pass rushers as far as looseness and bendiness and being able to corner around the edge to get to the quarterback. I think he's one of the better options, but he is a smaller guy, about 6'1", about 240 pounds, so he has to be that stand-up edge guy, uh, you know, just terrorizing quarterbacks off of the edge. So I think those three guys definitely could pique the Jets' interest. Corner is another position where the Jets have a huge hole. They did just get Pierre Desir, but he's on a one-year deal, and he's coming off a really rough season last year where he was banged up. They've got Blessin Austin, who showed some promise, but he also ended up getting benched, and he's a major injury risk, having only played one game in the previous two and a half years before he was drafted in the sixth round by the Jets last year. Arthur Millette was okay at times, but I don't think anybody's considering him a long-term starter. So the Jets don't really have any lockdown options as long-term starters. Jeff Okuda probably won't make it to 11, but you never know. I've seen some suggestions that he could slide a little bit depending on how the board falls. Now, again, I don't expect him to get to 11, but unlike Chase Young, I think there's at least a slight possibility. So I want to talk a little bit about him and also some other guys that the Jets could consider if they were to slide to the second, third, or fourth round. Jalen Johnson from Utah is one guy in particular that I really like. He might fall because of his injury history and the fact that teams aren't going to be able to examine these guys the way they would under normal circumstances given what's going on. So talk to me about this cornerback class, Jordan. Who do you like here? I was just talking about Akuda, a guy that I've had some chances to interact with at the Combine. Very, very confident individual. And that's something that you want to see from corners, just because I think of any position entering the NFL, one you have to have the utmost and supreme confidence at. Stepping onto the field, I think, is cornerback, and I think Akuda has that. He's been terrific. 
he actually was a first-year starter last year at Ohio State. A lot of people don't really know that about him, but everybody wanted to see the ball production. That's really all that was left to see from him. He, he was able to get three interceptions last year, so he checked that box. Very fluid feet, very active, and he's extremely long. At 6'1", 200 pounds, that's something that you love to see out on the perimeter just because you want to have these bigger corners. And now it's because of how, how athletic and how big these receivers are on the perimeter. And I think Akuda definitely is a guy that has the potential to be a shutdown corner, but I would be very surprised if he does last until the 11th pick unless he just does something that is just catastrophic from now into the draft. So I'll um, just get into some later round options. Second round, I think AJ Terrell from Clemson is one that could be there for them. Uh, he's a guy that probably could go late first, early second. I think that's a very fair range for him. And I think a big stain that he does have on his resume is the lasting image that everybody has from him from the national championship game where he was just completely terrorized by Jamar Chase. But prior to that point, I thought he played very well this year outside of the game against North Carolina. I thought he played lights out. So Terrell definitely could be an option. Jalen Johnson, as you mentioned, could be an option in the second and third round, depending on how teams feel about his medicals. He's already had three shoulder surgeries, including one, or I should say following the combine. So that could be something that knocks him down a little bit on teams' boards. Uh, one fit, Another fit that I do like for the Jets is Damon Arnett from Ohio State. Uh, he does have some red flags associated with him, but they've kind of kept that quiet for the most part, exactly what those red flags were, but he does have a little bit of baggage going on with him. So he could drop to the late second or early third. But Arnett is one guy that I think will be definitely high on the Jets board. Let's talk a little running back. I don't expect the Jets to pick a running back in the first round, second round, or even the third round, maybe the fourth. But I definitely think it's an option on day three. One guy that I like is Anthony McFarland Jr. Who are some other running backs that you think could be in play for the Jets sometime around the fourth or fifth round or maybe even in the sixth? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, a guy that's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle in this running back class. I think he's one that a lot of people have forgotten about, and he was decent at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he ran a little bit better than what some people were imagining at the Combine, but very, very versatile skill set as far as the between the tackles runner. He can run on the perimeter, but he also can catch out of the backfield as well. So I could see the Jets having a liking to him, but I think a sleeper pick for the Jets that I think they will like a lot, his name is Joshua Kelly from UCLA. A guy has gotten better every single year. He actually started off his career at UC Davis and then transferred to UCLA just because he wanted a little bit more and play against some better competition. He went in there, won the job immediately, and then was a two-year starter for the Bruins. And at the Senior Bowl, I thought he was absolutely terrific. I thought he was by far the best running back there at the event. And then he went he went at the Combine and showed really well as well. So he's checking a lot of boxes and he's getting better as the process goes along. So He's a guy I think he could get in the fifth or sixth round, and I think he could end up being a starter in a committee for you. Speaking of sleeper picks, there are positions that the Jets don't necessarily have to have players. Interior line, I know that if they pick somebody even remotely high, the fan base is going to go crazy after what's gone on for the last bunch of years. Safety, they could use some depth behind Marcus May and Jamal Adams. Even quarterback, I know that Sam Darnold is the starter. There's no question about that, but perhaps there's a developmental prospect they might want to grab and say, the fifth or sixth round, somebody that they think they could groom to be the long-term backup. Who are some guys that you think the Jets could look at as sleepers at some of these positions? Well, one is James Morgan from FIU. Uh, I think a quarterback from FIU, I think he's one that could be a developmental option that you get in the fifth round. I think that's a sweet spot for him. I started off his career at Bowling Green, two-year starter there, and then left and went to Florida International. 
after losing out on the, the training camp battle down at Bowling Green once he once a new coaching staff came in there after Dino Babers went to Syracuse. So transferred to Florida International. He's very high on Bush Davis's recruiting board when he went down there. So uh, he was named a team captain immediately, has a rocket for an arm, very, very precise and accurate thrower as well. So not the best athlete, but he has enough to survive outside of the structure of the pocket. So James Morgan definitely could be one that I think could take a liking. For them, uh, Nate Stanley from Iowa, I think a down-the-line option that you, you get in the sixth or the seventh round, I think that's a fair range for him, a big, sturdy pocket passer type of guy. But if you're looking for a guy that can be a long-term backup that can be serviceable, I think Stanley definitely could be that guy. And then the last one is Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Now, he doesn't possess as much juice behind his arm as some of those guys, but if you're looking for a long-term Case Keenum type backup that could have some highs and lows throughout his career, throughout the league, I think Gordon could be that. Jordan, you were a quarterback in college, but I want to take your brain and put it into the head of somebody who is much larger, somebody who played offensive line, Joe Douglas. And I want you to be the general manager for a second here. Let's say that you are Joe Douglas and you're the one making these decisions. You're entering the draft. You've got these picks. You've got the 11th pick in the first round and you've got the 48th pick. You've got two picks in the third, a pick in the fourth. And then you've got a pick in the fifth and two picks in the sixth. What would your overall strategy be? And who would be some of the guys that you would really be looking at at these picks? Well, I think you have to build your entire draft around Sam Donald. Just like I said earlier, I think the clock is ticking on really to find out exactly who he is. And he has showed some progress in spurts. And I think Donald is going to end up being very good. But you have to get a fair assessment on him just because it's going to be time to pay him here in the next coming year. So, you have to get a fair assessment on him. You have to build a wall in front of him. And just listening to Joe Douglas and what he wants to do, interacting with him at the Senior Bowl as well, he wants to build a wall in front of Sam Darnold first and foremost. He wants to build it from the inside out just because that's what he's known to do. That's what he did in Philadelphia. And then when he's put some time in Baltimore as well, that's really the, – the, he wants to fortify the trenches. And I think the Jets have some – they have a really good core on defense as far as the interior guys. And I think the offense is really where they need to focus for the most part. So – me personally, I want to create an identity for my offensive line. So the player that I want the most at that 11th spot, if I'm Joe Douglas, is Makai Beckham. Just because you want to establish an identity and you want to build a wall in front of Sam Donald and you want to have that big bodyguard type of guy behind him. And I think Makai Beckham does do that. And in the second round, I think this is where you need to address receiver. I would go with Michael Pittman Jr. I think just the way he's gotten better every single year and he has what I call football DNA his dad was a longtime running back in the league, Super Bowl champion with the Bucks. So he has that DNA that you're looking for. He knows what it's going to take to be a pro. And I like Michael Pittman Jr.'s fit there uh, for the Jets. And then cornerback, I think some down-the-line options. I think that's somewhere what I would address it. Um, I think uh, Jalen Johnson, I'm hoping he's there from Utah. But we'll see what does happen with that situation. Damon Arnett, as I mentioned earlier, I think he could go in the second and the third round. So I think that probably would be the order in which I address it, I think, I think offensive tackle and wide receiver need to take priority over anything else. Jordan Reed of the Draft Network, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Love your insight. And I think that if the Jets follow the blueprint that you just laid out, they will be in very good hands. So we will see what Joe Douglas does. I'm really glad that you were able to take the time. For those that want to get familiar with your work at the Draft Network and everything else you're doing, go ahead and let them know what you're up to. So right now I have a lot going on, man. I'm turning out scouting reports on some of these guys, finishing up my final big board, which will be out on Wednesday. I'll have a top 250 players 
on that big board. And also my big project that I'm working on that's slated to be released next Monday is my draft guide. It's the annual draft guide that I do every year. And people that are subscribed to what's called TDM Premium on our website, it will be posted on the on midnight of April 13th uh, going into that day. But for those of you that are not, it is $10. But the great thing about it is that something that I've done every year, but that $10 actually goes to charity. And it goes to a charity called the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger Foundation which is a nearby foundation here in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is where I reside. So your $10 goes to that, but it's going to a great cause, but also you're helping yourself as well just because you have your draft guide there in your lap and you'll be able to read about some of the prospects at the Jets take. Get yourself a copy of Jordan's draft guide, not only because it will make you a smarter follower of the draft, but also because that money is going to a really great cause. And also don't forget about subscribing to the Badlands podcast with Joe Caparoso and Connor Rogers. They've had some outstanding guests and they are ramping up their draft coverage as well. It's also the only place that you can see Connor's seven round Jets mock draft only on the Badlands feed. You can get it at Podbean or you can go ahead and check out Joe's Twitter at Jay Caparoso and Connor's Twitter at Connor J. Rogers. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It does a lot to help us, and it's an easy way to help the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way in helping us out. So if you could do that for us, really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets. Dot com.